In our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community. People whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. The Hague Online, Delft Mama, Access, all helplines for internationals in The Hague, have at one time or another had the helping hand of Rene Tentori. Active in various roles in the international community in The Hague for more than a decade, she loves the diversity of the city. Raising two global citizens here, far from her homeland of Australia, she shares some of her life experiences, including working at a university, being an entrepreneur, co-creating communities and learning about neurodiversity. Renee, how would you best describe yourself? That is a big question. I love to connect, communicate and educate. So I do a lot of different things, but it all falls under that. I am a dual national. I have both Dutch and Australian nationality and I've lived in The Hague for over a decade. Absolutely love this city and I'm raising two global citizens here who are 13 and 15 now. I split my time between a part-time job at The Hague University and I also work for myself through my own business, Sesti. And I do quite a lot of community work, which is how I got to know a lot of the pearls that you've interviewed already. Yeah. I know quite a few of them. And I help out with various organizations because I love the international community in The Hague. Well, we've worked out that I've known you for just a little over a decade. And uh, through your networking... I might be outdone by Billy, who is one of my inspirations and, uh, and mentors, who runs The Hague Online. I think many of you know him. But interestingly enough, I never saw myself as a networker. And when I left Australia, I'd been running networking events. And literally last night, I just ran a LinkedIn local The Hague networking event. And I never called them networking because networking to me is kind of what's in it for me if I connect with you. But to me, I like to just connect. I love people and I think we can learn something from everybody. So for me, even though networking is the term people use and refer to me as a networker, to me, it's just connecting with people and more importantly, connecting them with each other. I seem to have... The way my brain works is I see this whole network of people and how they would do even better connecting with particular people. So there's many people I've introduced to each other. And sometimes I forget that not everyone I know knows everybody else. <laughs> so that's funny. But uh, yeah, I, li I like connecting with people and connecting people with each other. Your networking, or we can even call it engagement because it has that depth um, covers many, many of what we as experts in The Hague have come to know as institutions. You are an institution, Renee. Can you mention some of those? So there's various organizations and what I love about the international community in The Hague is it is very friendly and very, very connected. So if you meet one person, they're usually connected to somebody else. And it's sometimes surprising when I meet somebody, I think, oh, how have I not met you yet? We have all these mutual friends or mutual connections. But the main ones I've been involved with over the years, uh, the very first was Access. Mm. So when I first moved from Australia to the Netherlands many, many years ago, way back in 2002, 
Um, they were the first organisation I volunteered with and back then it was uh, not as large and, and formal as it is today. Deborah Valentine and her team have done a fabulous job uh, there. And I actually set up the original Welcome to the Hague event. I went round to the Gemeente, I went to a coffee shop, I went to tour guides in the library, because these were all the places that I liked, and I bought it together in one kind of package. Billy Allwood would have been very happy with you. Yes, so I also met Billy very early on when he started the Hague Online, which I need to look back, but I think that was 20 years ago now. So... My first few years in The Hague when I, I lived here, I was actually technically uh, living in Delft then, but Delft and The Hague, like mm. now, are very much connected. And I live in Ipenberg, so I literally live between the two. And back then, I did some volunteer work for Access uh, in the community department for many years, and I did some writing for Billy. And then I moved back to Australia for a few years, and when I came back... I reconnected with them. I also, before I moved back to Australia, was one of the original board members of Delft Mama, which just celebrated their 15-year anniversary. And I remember because I was pregnant with my first child in a foreign country and had no idea how things worked here. And Lucy Cunningham was setting it up at the time, so I connected with her. And right now I'm actually the chair of Delft Mama. So I uh, do a few hours a week volunteering with that organisation. So there's quite a few. I've also started my own uh, networks and, and communities. Uh, Barbara Young, who will also be broadcast as an interview, she and I met when I walked in during a divorce and looking for an apartment to buy. She was selling and not only did I get a fabulous apartment, I made a really good friend. So she's become a divorce coach and together we supported a few international women. And you're now translating that. her book. I am. So uh, she's helped a lot of people and will continue to help people. And I run the LinkedIn local networking events. We had one last night at the Hague Tech. We've had them earlier at Minglemush. And I've also run some in Delft. So I do do quite a few different things. How do you make work for your official work and your family? <laughs> So juggling it all, I always get asked, how do you do it? How do you do it? And I have two answers to that. So the first one is I've always done it and actually didn't understand why other people didn't. <laughs> it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But now it does with a diagnosis of ADHD. So uh, around two years ago in the pandemic, actually, I was diagnosed I have a lot of thoughts. This is a whole separate interview, I think, on neurodiversity. So I was very, um, yeah, a lot of mixed emotions at first. I was going to say, has it helped you at all? Uh, uh, the diagnosis itself helps me better understand why I like to do lots of little bits of things. And ultimately, I don't think I do that much more than other people. I just do separate little pieces that fit together. <laughs> so... Many people, even if you have one job, you do a lot of different projects within your job. So I sat down with my partner, who's worked for 27 years for KPN, uh, KPN the, the telecommunications uh, company, and he has one job, but he does lots of different projects within that job. So I have one job at the Hague University of Applied Sciences, where I work two and a half days a week. And then I have all of my other bits and pieces of projects and, of course, time with my partner and my children. So if you add it all up, it is quite a lot, but I've become very good at uh, um, yeah, finding what gives me energy. 
and to fit it all together is difficult sometimes but having the diagnosis of ADHD it helps me understand that when I tried to do less I'd get quite bored and depressed but doing the right balance and the right things gives me a lot of energy so it's about getting the the, the balance right. This label of institution is, is that easy to accept? It's funny, I, I, uh, I mentioned to you before this interview that someone mentioned that to me last night and I'm not sure it sits completely with me. I just do what I do because I love it. I don't even understand the definition of the word, but I, I know that I am very active in a lot of different places. And to me, I kind of think sometimes of a bee going around to all different flowers and bringing all the, the bits and pieces and the pollen together. And like I said before, I like connecting people. And I've found that people do tend to, uh, of course, when you have limitations on your time and your energy, you stick to doing less things. But when I do more things, but do little bits of them, I can see patterns and connect people. So I'm not sure if you define that as an institution, but however, whatever word you want to give, give to it, uh, feel free. Yeah. <laughs> With all this engagement, and you've, you've been doing it now for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. Uh, has this given you a special relationship with The Hague? Uh, do you maybe know it better than most of us? Possibly. Ik kan ook vrij goed Nederlands spreken. Or now, jongens. Or now. I'm quite good at speaking Dutch, but I have found it very difficult to crack into being a local here. So I try to not be just in the international community. I'd really like to be part of the Dutch local community. But even though I'm fluent in Dutch, I do find that difficult sometimes. There's cultural differences. There's just mindset differences. I have a Dutch partner and my ex-husband is Dutch and my children, of course, are half Dutch and go to a Dutch school. So I do love the city and want to get to know the, you know, let's call it Dutch side, but what is Dutch? Because we're so international here. There is so many different, yeah, it's like a kaleidoscope. It's like my life. <laughs> There's so many little bits and pieces together. On Saturdays, I love to go kickboxing. So my instructor is from Suriname and I've met a lot of Surinamese people living in The Hague and I love the music there. When I work at The Hague University of Applied Sciences, I have students from all around the world and it's just such an incredibly diverse international city here. And ik probeer om Nederlands te spreken. I try to speak Dutch, but even when I do, people answer in English and a lot of people speak English here. You need to write a guidebook. How to find yourself in The Hague, maybe. That might be it. And, and accept yourself in The Hague. I do teach a workshop at TU Delft, at the Technical University in Delft, about how to build your network in the Netherlands. So, yeah, I've gathered a lot of my ideas there. But to me, the core of feeling at home anywhere is just to get out and meet people. And I'm quite open about the fact I can find that really difficult and That often surprises people because I do come across as very friendly and outgoing, and I am, but I do find it difficult as well. It is hard to meet new people. It's hard to connect. It's hard to be vulnerable and kind of put yourself out there. But as a city to live in and to raise children in, I think The Hague is amazing. Well, um, that was the next question I was going to pose. I saw that yet again, three Dutch cities make it into the top 100 cities to live in. The Hague was right at the top this time. I don't think that's happened before, René. 
Fantastic. I haven't followed the list because I live here and that's it, <laughs> especially because I'm co-parenting. And if you listen to the interview with Barbara Jan about getting divorced in the Netherlands, I have... Yeah, I, I've made the decision, but also had the decision made for me that co-parenting, I have to live in The Hague. So I'm not even considering anywhere else, at least until my children yeah. are 18. But it is a fabulous place to live, to to live and to work, to meet people and all that kind of thing. It's it's just a really nice city. It's it's clean. It's safe. Uh, I've bought an apartment in Epenburg, which is spelt for the non-Dutch speakers with a Y. <laughs> it begins with a Y. If you're an English speaker and you look at the name, it's Yippenburg. <laughs> but it's a really nice place here. And my children cycle to school and they're very independent here. Definitely compared to where I grew up in Australia, where I couldn't get anywhere without my parents driving me. Or I even had a horse, but I couldn't ride it that far. And yeah, to raise children here, I think... The Hague is is brilliant, and even if you don't have children, what I do miss though. And yeah, that was my... going to be my next one. <laughs> You're way ahead of me, Renee. What I miss, and particularly with my my half Spanish friend, is places to go out in the evenings and dance. There's plenty of restaurants, but there's there's a few. There's a few, especially like, I feel quite old, but the 80s and the 90s nights at a few of the clubs. And for The Hague Online, Billy puts a lot of events on there and I, I help out with that sometimes. And I've been to a lot of fabulous concerts and there's performances, but somewhere to just go and dance. That's what I'm mm. missing. Have you been to the music on? No. Aha. There we ah, go. I'm missing something. Thursday evening <laughs> okay. at, from nine onwards. It's a bit on the late yeah. side, but I, I, I'm not sure if you work on a Friday. But I'm going to give that a go. It's a Latin American. Okay. So um, I'll be letting you know soon how it works. We'll go and dance. <laughs> okay. I think if, if, if it were up to me, uh, one of the things I might like to change about The Hague is more openness, uh, more spontaneity, able to drop in on people, maybe phone them at the last minute and say, hey, what are you doing tonight? Exactly. I miss that. Uh, I've just come back from South Africa and uh, it's it's the lifestyle, I think, the outdoor lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But then that's climate related. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll have to live with that, Renee. Yeah. And one of my biggest, biggest challenges here, and I've hesitated speaking about it because I feel like if I do, I, I kind of, at least online, get attacked. But I would love one place to go where there's no cigarette smoke. I am highly asthmatic and I have a major issue with smoke. And when I see the sun coming out in spring and I want to go sit on a terrace, I would love just one place where I can breathe. <laughs> so that's also what's missing here. In Australia, smoking is banned anywhere where there's food served or where children are. And I find that I believe in everybody's rights and I'd love smokers to have places to go, but I'd really like places that non-smokers can go and sit on a terrace and enjoy the sunshine without breathing secondhand cigarette smoke. Ditto, dear. Um, Renee, you surprised me a bit by being so open about ADHD uh, and that part of the spectrum. You called it by another, another name, neurodiversity. Can you explain that one? So you'll be hearing this more and more. It's one of those trend words at the moment. I used to be a social media trainer and I watched this trend of social media, which is what I used to teach. But to me, it's just a tool with neurodiversity. It's just a word, but it's a word that represents 
a very broad range of different abilities. So neurodiversity has come about as a term to mostly explain people who are ADHD, autistic, dyslexic, or there's a few other terms that fall under it. And what I like about neurodiversity as a term is I tend to hesitate saying that I'm ADHD because then you get this kind of label. Neurodiversity is also a label, but it's a much broader and I feel much more appropriate label. ADHD, even the D stands for a disorder. And particularly as a person coming from a marketing background, I'm like, who branded this? <laughs> this is just not good because... It can be a limitation in some areas of my life, but in general, particularly in things like work and the things that I do, it's actually a superpower. And I hear this from a lot of ADHD people. When we're asked, how do you do what you do? It's because of the ADHD. So I think it will be rebranded at some stage. And same with autism. I've learned a lot about autism and I believe that whether or not you have a diagnosis of autism or ADHD or anything else, we're all different and those differences should be celebrated. So I think ADHD, the D should be for a difference, not a disorder. And the more we talk about it, the more we will learn about each other. So alongside neurodiversity, you'll hear more and more about diversity and inclusion. More companies are employing an inclusion officer. Sadly, in my experience so far, there's a lot of talk and the actual action that is needed is still not happening, at least not from the people that need to make the changes. The people who are living with these kind of challenges have become very good at fitting into, let's say, mainstream society because the opposite to neurodiversity is um, being neurotypical. I would argue what is typical, what is normal anyway, because if you really have a conversation with anybody, we are all so different. You can put as many labels on it as you like. So just like I've done probably in this interview, my, my friend calls it fireworks thinking. I go off in all different directions. And to me, that's normal. And if I speak to somebody who is ADHD, we both do the same thing. I tend to balance that out with friends who let's say more um, linear because they like the energy they get from me and I like the structure that I get from them so I think if we all get to know ourselves better you know that that know thyself the the age-old thing wasn't it in in Delphi whether you get a label or not whether you call it ADHD whether you call it neurodiversity neurotypical whatever get to know yourself and what works for you but what's helped me a lot is getting a diagnosis means I can understand more about the grouping of, let's call it, um, behaviors that make sense to me finally. After trying to fit in for so much of my life, I'm realizing I'm just different, as are a lot of people. Now, I can't imagine the international community in The Hague without you, really. And... Um what is there still left for you to do? Well, it's funny, I'm, I'm approaching 50. I have a couple more years to go. And at this turning point, you start to think, yeah, I've, I've done a lot. So for me, it's a bit of a crossroads. I'd like to learn to focus a little bit more, but like we've been talking about, I don't have to. If I choose to, I can, but I don't have to. So I don't think there's necessarily anything new, but it's just really learning to enjoy what 
is already there. It's not looking for that new um, new thing all the time, but just building, reconnecting with the community, um, engaging with the community. And I really love being a part of it. Renee, tell our listeners how to get hold of you uh, in your very diverse working modes. <laughs> So I love LinkedIn. I am a LinkedIn trainer as well. So LinkedIn is the best place to reach out to me. Renee Tentori, please send me a connection request. I would love to chat further there. Renee Tentori, one of The Hague's Pills. Thank you so much for joining us on Dutch Buzz. Dutch Buzz, your listening ear in The Hague.